30th Sunday in Ordinary Time Prayer Psalm 18 I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, so I shall be saved from my enemies. The Lord lives. Blessed be my rock, and exalted the God of my salvation. Great triumphs he gives to his king, and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever. Reading the Word First reading, Exodus chapter 22 you shall not go wrong or oppress a resident alien, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. You shall not abuse any widow or orphan. If you do abuse them, when they cry out to me, I will surely hit their cry. My wrath will burn, and I will kill you with the sword, and your wives shall become widows and your children orphans. If you lend money to my people, to the poor among you. You shall not deal with them as a creditor. You shall not exact interest from them. If you take your neighbor's clock in pawn, you shall restore it before the sun goes down, for it may be your neighbor's only clothing to use as cover. In what else shall that person sleep? And if your neighbor cries out to me, I will listen, for I am compassionate. Second reading, First Thessalonians chapter 1. Our message of the gospel came to you not in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of persons we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for in spite of persecution, you received the word with joy, inspired by the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place your faith in God has become known, so that we have no need to speak about it. Gospel Matthew chapter 22 When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and a second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. 
hearing the word, imitating God. The readings of the 30th Sunday cite some well-known and important commandments. However, the readings focus not on the commandments themselves, but rather on providing solid motivation for anyone who chooses to follow them. This motivation takes the form of the call to imitation. The passage from the book of Exodus is a part of so the so-called covenant code, which contains God's laws given through Moses when the Sinai covenant was made. These laws provide guidance for the religious and civil life of Israel, which they need to follow in order to be God's people. One of the key areas of life these laws regulate is the treatment of the socially disadvantaged, resident aliens, foreigners, widows and orphans, and the poor. The first group discussed is that of the aliens residing within the Israelite community. Since those foreigners did not have the rights and status equal to that of Israelites, they were vulnerable to various kinds of exploitation and abuse. Such oppression was strictly forbidden. The reason and motivation given for this law is the memory of Israel's time as aliens in the land of Egypt. When there, they were protected by God. Now it was their turn to be protectors of the aliens among them and thus imitate God. The second group to be protected is that of the widows and orphans. These were very vulnerable in this ancient patriarchal society because they could not rely on the necessary protection of the male guardians, husbands and fathers. They were to be protected by the community because God pays special attention to their pleas and will avenge any harm done to them. As God heard the cry of Israel in Egypt and acted for their protection, so will God hear the cry of widows and orphans. Israelites are thus advised to act as their protectors or suffer God's wrath similar to that directed against their one-time oppressor, the Egyptians. The third group to be protected is that of the poor among you. These are to be afforded protection through rigorous upholding of their economic rights. The first of these rights was the ban on ashari, lending on interest. God stated that, with my people, the Israelites, you shall not deal as a creditor, you shall not exact interest from them. The Israelites were not allowed to lend money on interest to their fellow Israelites, thus preventing them from falling into debt that would lead to the loss of freedom. Also forbidden were the practices 
that undermined the dignity and safety of the community members. This is illustrated by a single example of the court taken from a poor neighbor in pawn. Such basic necessities as garments were to be restored to debtors every night in order not to endanger their health and safety. The passage concludes with a forceful affirmation that God pays special attention to the needy and that they must be shown compassion in imitation of God, who himself is compassionate. In the second reading, we continue to read from the introduction of the first Thessalonians. After praising the virtues of his addresses and their receptiveness of the gospel, the apostles adds some significant statements regarding the foundation of the community and the manner in which our message of the gospel came to you. Paul first recalls the essential activity of the Holy Spirit involved in the proclamation and reception of the good news as the gospel came to them in the power and in the Holy Spirit, and they received the word with joy, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Next, the apostle pinpoints the main effect of this evangelization, stating that you became imitators of us and of the Lord, and thus became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. This is an important statement because Paul considers himself an imitator of Christ. Making someone into a follower, an imitator of Christ, lies at the very core of evangelization. If the Thessalonians became imitators of Christ, then Paul's mission was thoroughly successful. That those former Gentiles turned from idols and now serve a living and true God stands as a clear evidence of that success. Their new allegiance to God will preserve them in this life and also at the final judgment, to which Paul refers as the wrath that is coming. The Gospel written contains the third dispute between Jesus and his opponents, recorded in Matthew chapter 22. Just as during the previous confrontations, the intention of Jesus' opponents is to test him. The challenge came from the Pharisees gathered together, asking about the greatest of the commandments in the law. The Jewish scholars and teachers of Jesus' time intensely debated the hierarchy among the numerous commandments and prescriptions of the Jewish law, arguing about their relative importance. Jesus accepted the challenge and gave his characteristically clear and definitive answer. First, he quoted the famous Shema, Deuteronomy chapter 6, which was a daily prayer of every Jew commanding to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. These words confirm the absolute supremacy of God and the need to focus all of human life on him. No Jew would ever argue against this being the first and most important commandment. The second part of Jesus' answer draws from Leviticus chapter 19, which demands of each Israelite to love your neighbor as yourself. 
most significant in Jesus' answer is his choice to pair the love of God with the love of the neighbor. This pairing implies that love for the neighbor ought to mirror one's love for God. In effect, Jesus demands that a person's relationship with God should be reflected in and imitated by the relationship to a fellow woman or man. The love for God and for one's neighbor thus become the basic rule to guide the life of the faithful, with the latter being a reflection of the former. The liturgy of today resounds with the theme of imitation. In the book of Exodus, we read that the Israelites were to imitate God in his care for the most vulnerable. Since these commands were given in the context of the Sinai covenant, it could be said that imitation of God in this manner belongs to the very essence of the Israelite identity defined during that covenant. For Paul, imitation of Christ was the manner of his life and the purpose of his mission. Making his Christians imitators of the Lord was his chief goal and ambition, for he knew that this would guarantee the authenticity of their Christian faith. For Jesus, human life and attitudes should be guided by a single principle of love and devotion to God, which is then reflected and imitated in love and concern for the other. He himself followed this principle faithfully. In the end, we could say that the life of a Christian is the life of imitation of God and Jesus in their love and concern for humanity. And God is, according to the psalmist, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Listening to the Word of God When a baby comes out of the womb of the mother, it enters into an unknown world which is characterized by uncertainties. In that moment, every baby is an alien. As it makes its first cry, it is uncertain whether its tears would be welcomed with a smile or a frown. It is virtually left at the mercy of the attendants who take hold of it in their arms. Whether it would live or die is dependent on the decision of the unknown human beings who handle it. That experience is the first test of vulnerability for every human being. Although it starts from the womb, vulnerability does not end there. It continues throughout our life's journey on earth. At key moments on the route of life, we all need somebody in order to become somebody. From this perspective, we can appreciate very much the words of Jesus in our gospel text. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. To love one's neighbor is, in fact, loving oneself because in preserving the life of someone, you preserve your own. We have no idea 
who would turn out to be a brother or sister in our moment of need. An alien today may turn out to be a savior tomorrow. Love of neighbor is not an empty expression. It has a practical dimension as expounded in the first reading. There is an African proverb which says, He who throws stones at night may end up killing his own brother. Humanity is intimately concerned. The ripple effect of whatever happens in a small town in Europe can be felt in another town in Africa and vice versa. We are indeed each other's keepers. Love of one's neighbor takes on a deeper Christocentric character when is extended even to one's enemies. There is another African proverb which says, Feed your enemies so well that when they are satisfied, they will forget their assignment and sleep. At the heart of the call to love one's neighbor is an invitation to imitate God. In the last phrase of the first reading, God speaks of himself saying, I am compassionate. Yes, God is always present to take care of us in our weakest moment. Created in the image and the likeness of God, we are called upon to reflect this character of God in our dealings with one another. We cannot claim to imitate God when we turn a deaf ear to the cry of those that he brings into our lives. Hatred has escalated to unimaginable heights in many parts of our world, leading to war and bloodshed. The unpleasant effect is the upsage in the numbers of migrants and refugees worldwide. Indeed, how true is the saying that love gathers but hatred scatters. Interestingly, many of these wars are fueled by people who claim to be devotees of God. Even in communities that have the adjective Christian to qualify themselves, there are reported cases of ethnocentrism, xenophobic attacks, racism, and other forms of human abuse. The amount of money that is invested into the production of weapons of mass destruction could be translated into eradicating poverty and its related problems, if only love would find a place in the human heart. Indeed, imitation of God takes on a deeper spiritual meaning when it is translated into love of our neighbor. Love is like fire. It may appear to be a tiny spark in the heart, but it can set a world ablaze if it is translated into action. A sure sign that we may love God with all our hearts and with all our soul and with all our mind is how we lovingly treat one another. In and through us, the love of God must become experiential. Let us therefore 
choose to love and thereby imitate the God of love. Feed your enemies so well that when they are satisfied, they will forget their assignment and sleep. Action Self-examination Can someone look at my way of life and get a fairly good idea of who God is? Do my words and actions portray the God who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Response to God I choose to deepen my understanding of what it means to say that God is compassionate. I reflect deeply on this attribute of God and passionately seek to imbibe it. Response to your world In the wake of an unhealthy concerted effort by some people, to divide the human race into classes and to disregard the rights of those they consider as belonging to a lower class, I decide on an action that will demonstrate my love for all people, irrespective of their race, gender, educational status, or cultural values. Together with my group, we resolve to pay particular attention to issues that pertain to justice and peace and to seek effective ways of bringing the concerns of those in the margins of society to the fore. Eternal Father, you showed your love for humanity when you offered your Son to a vulnerable world so that he may consecrate and offer back to you all those who had been alienated from you. By that singular act of grace, you have taught us to reach out to those who are perishing in one way or the other and to show your face of love to them. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, may my way of life draw people to you. Amen.